Welcome to Aurelius Whitlock's Murder Museum. I'm Marcus Richardson. And I'm Nathan Hicken. And this is Aurelius Whitlock's Murder Museum, where we tell and solve original fictional murder mysteries. And it's time again for Nathan to be curator, uh, and time again for me to be stressed that I'm not nearly as clever <laughs> as I'd like to be. Woo! Uh, but exciting nonetheless. Uh, but as always, we'd like to get ourselves warmed up with a mini murder. And this week we're joined by one of our biggest fans who completely coincidentally <laughs> happens to also be my dad. What? <laughs> Just random how that worked out that way. I'm your number one fan. Yep, that's what I thought. <laughs> um, so, Ken, uh, what what experience do you have with solving mysteries? Uh, on online podcasts, zero. Uh, I am <laughs> a veteran of many, many mysteries from my childhood. Um, Encyclopedia Brown was one of my favorites. Um, I also Classic. read the Three Investigators series, if anyone remembers Ooh, that. Three yeah. Young Men in Southern California. Uh, dabbled a little bit in the the more heady stuff, the Agatha Christie and and uh, Sherlock Holmes stuff. But but really, my my bag was uh, kids walking around and solving mysteries for their friends, and that's Excellent. that's what I really enjoyed. Yeah, I've I've always had a soft spot for the. Detectograms, as they are called in H.A. Ripley's book. Um, speaking of which, I think that that's where we'll take our mini murder uh, again Ooh. Uh, this week. Okay. Nathan, you haven't read Detectograms since the last time we recorded, have you? I, I have not. I've purposely stayed away. So Thank goodness. Okay, that's great. <laughs> well, this is one that I also don't know the solution to, so all three of us oh, will sweet. stumble our ways into uh, coming up with some conclusions. Cool. All right. This is Speakeasy Stick Up from H.A. Ripley's Minute Mysteries Detectograms. I'd counted the cash, and as I was walking to the combination to open the wall safe, I heard this guy in the back of me say, Get him up, Bo. This is a stick up. I reached for the ceiling as he says, Make a move and I'll drill you. He didn't sound like he was fooling, so I kept quiet. Well, he comes over and gives me a prod with his gun, pockets the dough, and asks where the best liquor is, saying he doesn't want no bar whiskey either. I told him and he pours himself a drink. Then he got real sociable-like and wouldn't let me take my hands down. He kept on talking and making wisecracks, but finally got tired, I guess, with a warning that if I moved before I could count to 20, my wife would be a widow. He beat it, concluded Sullivan. How much did he take? inquired Professor Fordney, who had entered the speakeasy after hearing the bartender's call for help. About $500, Sullivan replied. We had a good day. Haven't you a gun here? Sure, but I didn't have a chance. I ain't exactly no Boy Scout, but this mug was too big and tough looking for me to tackle. How did you get that cut on your hand? inquired the professor, and that bruise on your finger. Opening a case of lemons, answered Sullivan. Well, said Fordney, if your whiskey isn't any better than your attempt at a fake holdup, I'll have the ginger ale. <laughs> You're right, 
The bruise had nothing to do with it. But how did Fordney know that the stick-up was a fake? Oh, what? Hmm. You know, the thing that jumped out at me immediately was uh, if he really was sticking him up while he was opening his safe, why didn't he? Why wouldn't he wait until the safe was open? If he was secretly behind him, mm. uh, you know, I'm I'm not I don't have a criminal mind, but it just seems logical. If you're going to put some <laughs> yeah. some cash in the safe, unless he was worried that he was going to pop it open, throw it in, and close it, I don't know. But that may have nothing to do with anything. But that that little piece of data seemed to be that his <laughs> his yarn telling was was subpar. Yeah, but, that that's interesting. It he says at the beginning, um, I had counted the cash, and as I was working the combination to open the wall safe, this guy said, "Get him up. This is a stick up." So if he yeah. put his hands in the air at that point, then he could not have opened the safe. Yeah, yeah. that that might be that might be something. <sighs> so it, it it seems otherwise that this hinges on how he got the cut and the bruise. Yeah, that's what I'm hung up on. <laughs> Opening a case of lemons, is that what he said he got the bruise from? Do you think this could be like a lemon juice thing? Like, oh, you should be crying in pain because of uh, lemon juice. Yes. Oh, hey. In pure agony. That's right. If it's an open cut and he just opened uh, a lemon But he thing. doesn't say he cut lemons, so. Yeah. I feel mm. like it's also pretty hard to get bruised on your finger. You must have, like, been pounding something. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, how how do you get a bruise from opening a case of lemons? He doesn't really establish that. Hmm. Is there anything else from the story that seems fishy? So, so this guy sat in a chair and drank some some of his good liquor while the guy being robbed has his hands in the air for some period of time. That I feel like is the most peculiar detail. I'm I'm wondering yeah. if like. A cut, do, do bruises not appear if you, like, have your hands above your head? Like, the blood <laughs> oh, can't go there? Oh, something, something yeah. about blood rushing to uh, injury. Uh, but it's not like he was actively bleeding. So yeah. I don't know if bruises work that way. Do, do we know how long this is after the supposed holdup? Or? Um, it looks like the, pro- it's the professor entered the speakeasy after hearing the bartender's call for help. So probably pretty soon after. Okay. So the guy left. He told the bartenders he needed help. They called. So a minute or two, maybe. Yeah. Mm. Interesting. It's it's not common for one of these to like feel like there's several suspicious things. Usually yeah. it's just yeah. like the one thing. Is there something about holding a gun? Well, no. If he just told the story, he probably wasn't holding a gun. Oh, so oh, I was just well, trying to think of how we could have got a bruise relative to a gun, but that's probably not a detail that's involved here. This is something completely different for that. Another line of thought, but he said that he was no Boy Scout. He didn't think he could handle this guy because he was like pretty tough looking. But if he was facing the safe the whole time, like he told him not to move, how would he know that he was pretty oh, tough looking? Oh, interesting. Yeah, it's, read read back through it, Marcus. Is there a place where he says, "I turned around"? Or I, when it says he was sitting there drinking, was he still facing away, holding his hands up? It says he comes over, prods me with the gun, pockets the dough, and asks me where the best liquor is. Yeah, he he never says I turned around, so that might mm. be that might be it. Mm. it it's a little <laughs> a little pedantic of the yeah. professor, but that feels he, right. Yeah. How about when he leaves? 
when the bad guy leaves, is there anything about... He says, count to 20 or I'll make your wife a widow. Uh, and he ran. Oh, yeah. So don't turn around yeah. for 20. So, yeah. I mean, the suggestion is he never saw him. Yeah. And yet, why would they mention a bruise and a cut <laughs> right? if it didn't have anything to do with anything? That's so specific. <laughs> hmm. Well, I, I think I'm confident enough that Nathan is right that we should lock in that answer. Because it, it makes it clear that he says, walked up behind me. And it never says I snuck a, a peek or anything like that. So, and maybe, maybe there's a, a further detail that holding your hands in the air for some period of time with a fresh cut, maybe something about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I can't think of anything that was described <sighs> that would tell us where the cut came from. So, yeah, we'll just have to live with the disappointment on that one. <laughs> alas, alas, <laughs> exactly. Well, I'm I'm curious that it ended the thing with the guy saying, "Ah, but I'm like, it, I hope it finishes a sentence." Um, all right, are you guys okay if I I go to the answer? Go Let's for go. it. All right, speakeasy stick up. Sullivan, the bartender, said that as he was working the combination to open the wall safe, he heard the hold-up man behind him. As he was not permitted to move, he could not have known the gunman was a big, tough-looking mug, as he described it, (laughs) as there uh, would be no other motive in telling this impossible story. The hold-up was faked. All right. The the, the cut was was a red herring. The bruise and the cut. What the heck? Yep. I, wow. They were very yeah. specific about those uh, injuries too. Yeah, but you know, I feel like it played fair. I'm, I'm still, yeah. I still think that these detectograms are leaps and bounds ahead of uh, Mind Trap, <laughs> the, the uh, early game that we did these. Sadly, from. sadly. Yeah. But, but well done. I, I say, uh, well done to all of us. I like it. Uh, yes. I like it. We, we had a real thorough approach, and uh, of course, I need to read the little poetry stanza that each of these answers includes this one is from burns and it says inspiring bold john barleycorn what dangers thou canst make us scorn what i am inspired i agree (laughs) and that was that was rabbi burns from scotland (laughs) it just says burns so your your guess is probably better than mine well i'm you know i claim scotland i don't know if scotland claims me but (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> yeah you do have some scottish experience i don't go. know who john barleycorn is the only things i know about him is he's bold inspiring and makes us scorn dangers so oh, I'll, I'll do some research on that point <laughs> is that a euphemism for alcohol it's like barley's turned into oh beer. oh you know what i think i think you're onto something i think that must be uh inspiring bold whiskey can make us it's... scorn danger it's it's a difficulty when three teetotalers try to, to discuss the origin of alcohol. Yes, this is a, a real source of expertise uh, yes. for us. I didn't teach you enough, uh, Marcus. I guess. Yeah, yeah. Gosh, you're supposed to teach them young about whiskey right. consumption. Well, on that note, hey, Dad, thank you so much for for joining us. Yeah, uh, for and that many murder. I really appreciate it, Marcus. As you as you well know, um, I have a face for radio. So, so I appreciate the opportunity, uh, and uh, you guys, uh, I'll, I'll miss your handsome mugs, and I hope you enjoy your mystery. You're, you're awesome, and I'll be I'll be waiting with bated breath to hear it on the on the podcast. So, thank you for for welcoming me aboard today. I appreciate it. Oh, thanks for joining. We'll see ya. Well, nothing like a pep talk from your dad in the middle of a podcast to really get you excited. 
to to do your best. I love it. I love it. I did, it, it wasn't quite a I'm proud of you, son, but it almost actually was. It was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, awesome. Well, I feel warmed up, and that's the important part because I'm the one who's got to do detecting uh, coming uh-huh. up here. So, are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do this. Okay. The murder museum looms above you. You feel the weight of the moratoria in your pocket and a small prize hidden within. The wind chills across your skin as you step through the doors into the empty lobby. A single candle burns on the front desk where you expect to see the curator. Except he isn't there. Not this time. The desk is empty save for the candle and a small folded piece of paper. As you get closer, you see that Marcus is scrawled on the top in loopy handwriting. You open it to read the following. I need your help with this one. Go to the east wing, count three exhibits, then turn left. You wind up in a room with a grandfather clock. Open the base and step through. I'll see you there. Signed, G. You follow the directions and wind up in the room with the clock. You're able to grab the base and the whole thing swings away from the wall. Through the opening, you see a stone-lined room with a floor-to-ceiling organ, glowing with a bright blue light. Embedded in the tangle of pipes is a crystal heart, glowing brightly. You walk up to it and experimentally press a key. An explosive note shatters through the silence and blackness sweeps over your vision. You're falling, confusing images flashing by, a crossbow bolt fired from below, a pulsing crystal, a manor ripped apart by vines, a murmur of conversation. You come to in a kitchen, an old Victorian-style kitchen with a roaring fireplace. In front of you is a silver tray sitting on a counter. The murmur of conversation is coming from behind you. What are the odds that I am a butler and this tray is for me? <laughs> hmm. Oh, there's, there's, uh, there's pretty good odds. <laughs> <laughs> I look down. Am I, am I ready to buttle? You are wearing white gloves and a sharp tailored suit. You are strangely barefoot. Oh. You feel your skin old, weathered, like the, the bark of an old oak tree. That is as butlery as it gets, truly. <laughs> well, besides the barefoot thing, that that's going in my my little notebook here. Do I have my toes? You do have your toes. All ten of them this time. <laughs> oh, thank no goodness! One has made any potions out of you? It seems. Can, can you imagine if um, hours later you were like, you never asked about the big toes? <laughs> sorry, sorry. You, someone else looks like you and has been running this whole thing. Oh my gosh. Okay. Um. Uh, and a quick pocket checks. Uh, I still have the mor- moratoria. What is it called? Yes, the moratoria, the small obsidian compass. Um, you shake it. There is an object inside. I do think I want to see what that is. Yes. You open it and you recognize that it's the scarab amulet of Merikari. Right. Which I'm supposed to get to Genevieve and I haven't given it to her yet. She must not have come for it. She's not. Not yet. Um, you continue to pack down your pockets. Um, you find Pocket Watson. Hooray! Ready and willing to go. You open him up. Oh, hello there! It's been so long! I, was even, I wasn't even in this last exhibit! <laughs> <laughs> well, buddy, maybe if you shape up, then we'll, we'll be more eager to, to include you. I'm just joking. Shape You're up. a real pal. <laughs> Telling him to hit the gym. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to see my friend Pocket Watson. Um, and then... Do I do I happen to have like a name card on me, a, a wallet? You don't. You find two other things on your person, though. Around your neck is a necklace that with a little pendant that looks like a bee. And then there is a scrap of paper in your pocket as well. 
Okay. I find in my pocket a note that says, To orchestrate a leafy spine, feet and ground, and hand on vine. Orchestrate a leafy spine, feet in ground, and hand on vine. Okay. Interesting. Well, I had a vision flash in my mind about a whole mansion uh, covered, claimed by vines or something similar. So I'll need to look out for applicable places for this poem. <laughs> um, okay. And then the room I'm in is a kitchen, you said? Yes. Well, I think I want to go towards the chatter. Okay, so you do a little 360. So there's the tray on the counter in front of you. Um, there is a large 50s-style fridge on one hand. There's other appliances, ovens, cupboards, whatnot. There's a door next to the fridge but the conversation is coming from behind you through a pair of double doors that are closed. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I mean, I, I want to investigate everything, but I don't have a reason to go rooting through this fridge yet, so I think <laughs> that I want to see what I can catch at this conversation, maybe listen at the door for a second before I walk in. Okay, you go to the door, you put your ear against it. There is multiple voices speaking all at once. It seems like there's multiple conversations going on. You hear clattering, you hear clanking. It sounds like there's a dinner party. Mm. Mm. Was the silver platter empty? No, it has a little cloche over it. Oh, um, a, wait, a cloche? That's the, the little covering for like a silver tray. Yeah. You're so cool. You know, <laughs> you know cool words. That's so fun. Um, can I see what's inside? What's on, is it someone's severed head? <gasps> you open it up, and sadly, no, there is... A- sadly, no. <laughs> right off the bat. Uh, no, there is a series of envelopes with various names on them. Oh, interesting. What are those names? Okay, so I'm going to read off all the names. One envelope says everyone, parentheses read first. One says Medina and Jane. One says Sumter. Another says Belle. One says Genevieve. One says Alec. One says Gilly. <laughs> and one final note is labeled Marcus in a different handwriting than the rest. I love this and hate this at the same time. <laughs> Holy cow, I'm going to need all those names again. I didn't even yep. have time to freak out about multiple things going on here, which is one, the name of Genevieve. Two, I'm pretty sure Belle was my last name in the... Uh, in the exhibit <laughs> which one the gala exhibit i'm pretty sure that was my last name interesting um and then medina we've definitely heard that name before multiple yeah. times <laughs> oh my gosh i feel like i'm i've maybe even heard jane before you have oh my gosh don't tell me where <laughs> i'm i'm interested well, okay well here let, i'll jog let, your memory when that comes in yes please okay so Everyone. Medina and Jane. Yes. Sumpter. Yes. Belle. Yes. Genevieve. Yes. Uh, what was next? Alec. Alec. And? Gilly. Gilly. And the last one is Marcus. Marcus. Okay. I think I've heard the name Alec before, too. Was that? Oh, my gosh. Are we going back? That's monster camp hmm. stuff. Oh, my gosh. Fascinating. Listeners, if you're binging this podcast, you've heard these stories way more recently than I have. Uh, so you have a much better chance of figuring out 
uh, <laughs> some of these connections than I do. That was years ago. Okay. Um, I got to open Marcus. All right. You open Marcus, and it reads the following. In the same handwriting from the note on the desk in the murder museum. If you're reading this, then you follow my directions. I need your help. This case is a strange one than any other you've been on before. For right now, all you need to know is that you are the butler. Bring the tray with the envelopes into the dining room. We'll be able to speak soon. Thanks, Jen. Well, I've been given instructions, and a good butler follows orders. <laughs> so, um, I'm tempted to, like, mess things up already, you know, like... Ooh. Oh my gosh, wait a minute, if I don't read these now, will I ever get to read them? I don't know. You know what, I'm, how about I just open one that is the most, like, oh gosh. Alright, are these sealed envelopes? They are sealed with a little wax drop, so like if you do open them, they will know they've been opened. Uh, I think I gotta play by the rules. I don't think I'm gonna open them, because they'll be able to see. Oh, but I want to. Because this this is this is I've invited you all here to to be murdered kind of set up like I'm I'm confident <laughs> that the guy who's going to be killed wrote each one of these to give to every person and they each have a seed of motive and the reason they'd want to kill this person. But I'm not going to verify that. <laughs> Instead I'm going to put back on the the cloche, the cloche and <laughs> and assume buttling position. Uh, that takes a lot of self-control, though. I'm I'm impressed. I'm impressed. Your butler senses are are very strong. <laughs> you, you gotta you gotta fit the role that you're given. You know. Oh dang. Okay. And I am going to walk into the room with chatter. All right. With the envelopes. You grab the tray and push the double doors, walking into an expansive dining room lined in velvet. A large ornate wooden table. Uh, sits six people surrounding it. Uh, there are dishes, plates, and cups with various amounts of food and whatnot, so it seems like they were, they're finishing up a meal. But to your surprise, you recognize some of them. Not to my surprise. I, I saw the names. <laughs> okay. Do you want to start with people you recognize or the people you don't recognize? I want to start with the people I recognize. Okay. So, at the end of the table nearest to you is a woman with shockingly red hair and you do know her from somewhere she's younger than last time but yeah yeah this is the same jane fanshawe from the summer camp exhibit oh my gosh across from her is a man young man with pale skin slicked back hair and dressed in an ascot and a suit and hmm, it's hard to tell but you're pretty sure you've met him before except Last time you met him, he was already dead. This is Alec Harker. Oh, man. The murder victim from the summer camp exhibit. <sighs> I have Finally. some dirt on him. <laughs> does he look younger, too? He does look... I mean, actually, no, he doesn't. He's the same <laughs> well, age, but... Well, let, let's he, all remember. What is he? Is he a vampire? He's definitely a vampire. Okay. He cool, cool, cool. was a vampire. Oh, yes. my gosh. Okay. <laughs> The last person you recognize is, of course, one whose face has haunted your dreams, Genevieve. She flashes you a quick smile. Boy, well, I'm, I'm going to open up the thing which, yet again, name eludes me. <laughs> the cloche. I'm going to open up the cloche and say, dinner is served. <laughs> 
Genevieve gives a little laugh. Ah, Gilly, you're hilarious, finally. Uh, everyone is looking at you at this point. You have the envelopes, I presume. Of course, of course. I I can't sustain this voice. <laughs> <laughs> Be like, yes, an envelope for each one of us. Uh, shall I start with everyone? There is a murmur of consent. Hmm. Okay. Upon the realization that I need to maintain this voice for the rest of recording, <laughs> I will uh, chicken out <laughs> and, and drop the accent. <clears throat> Everyone, welcome back to Whitezell Manor. Distinguished guests, friends, and colleagues. I knew all of you in the course of my life, and I'm grateful that you would come together on this night now exactly a year after my death. I know that not all of you know each other. But in fact, I wager that tonight you'll grow closer than ever before. I need your help one last time. This manor is alive. Deep within these twisted halls lies the heart. You must remove the heart and destroy it, taking care not to weaken her. Each of you... Waken, sorry. What? Awaken. <laughs> taking care... I, I mean, basically the same thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let me try again. <laughs> You must remove the heart and destroy it, taking care not to waken her. Each of you has received an envelope with a clue that will help you this evening. I will warn you that tonight will be dangerous. If any of you were to walk away, I would not blame you. But know this, none of you would sleep easy were you to do so. Gather back in the dining room in one hour. A final warning, after gathering the items, you must not begin until midnight. Five, 